Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 226. I have a great guest today. Can't wait to get to him. But before we do, a word from our sponsor. As a sponsor of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, we are thrilled to announce that your host, Richard Bliss, will be speaking at Good Crowd 14, the social enterprise and crowdfunding conference at Snowbird, Utah, on September 26th. Register today at 30% off the early registration price at the exclusive Funding the Dream registration page, secfc.co forward slash dream. My guest today is someone who I met a few months ago at a game developers conference here in the San Francisco Silicon Valley uh, area at Game Castle that was being held in Unpub Silicon Valley. Chris and I met there while he was showing off some of his prototypes. I loved them. And so as he got ready to get put his Kickstarter campaign out there, I have invited him on the show to talk to us about what he's doing, how he's doing it, and some of the fun that he's having along the way. So I want to welcome Chris Handy to the show. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Richard. We're doing we're trying we're trying a little bit of a dual cast here. We got this on video, but we're also uh, doing the normal uh, podcast that people can listen to. So I appreciate you uh, calling in from the uh, Central Valley in California. You're looking sure, good. Absolutely, you're, thank you. Thank you're, look, you. you're looking good. I don't have any pants on, so I'm not I'm not <laughs> going to step right. away from the camera. All right. Tell us. So you and I met. You were demonstrating your games. I loved them. Uh, yeah. I played uh, Taj Taj Mahal Taj Taj Taj. I played Taj, and I was intrigued by the boxing game. So tell us, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background. So for those listeners who haven't figured out yet, this is going to be a game-centric podcast. But uh, Chris is doing some things with his Kickstarter that are intriguing that I think you might be interested in. So um, Chris, go ahead and introduce the audience to a little bit about your background. Sure. So I've been uh, designing games for about 15 years. Uh, My first design was Linkity in 2004. Then I had Handy and Plex after that, and all the way to Long Shot with Z-Man, Cinque Terra with Rio Grande, and now I'm doing these pack of games. So, so long history, 15 years. That's a long time. Absolutely. It is. And in that time space, you um, – because you, you and I were talking earlier that you launched the company back in uh, 2000, 2001, but the – the route of self-publishing, you basically launched a designer company, right? Not a publishing company. That's correct, yes. Basically, uh, designing ideas and selling them to other publishers is what we eventually decided to do. Yeah, because back, you know, 15 years ago, we saw so many horror stories of those who pursued the publishing and got it wrong, ended up with a garage full of games that they couldn't get rid of and a second mortgage on the house, right? And those words are exactly like the reason why we didn't get into it because we were just so afraid at that time. And the other thing is I was new to game design and I was really afraid of being the last person to edit my own product. Sure. And it's taken that's, – that's a big skill in game design and here we are 15 years on. I feel a lot more comfortable – saying to my own kids, you're kind of ugly and we need to get some braces on you and we need to do that. You know, that's really what you have to do. But when you only have one kid, you're like, it's so precious and it's the most beautiful child. But now I've, I've designed, you know, over probably 150 games. Right. And many of them are just like, gone. I don't want to see you ever again. Right. And so, you know, process, absolutely the process and the editing. And so you learn those skills, you learn how to listen to people you learn to watch their response and how happy they are and how frustrated they are. And you have to be really honest with yourself. 
and push the product away to a distance that you can really think about it um, you, you know, rationally. And, and I've seen uh, some really good game designers not have that ability. Uh, they're good game designers, but they just really struggle with what makes that so hard. I guess it's, it's kind of a dumb question, but it's really one of the key elements of success, isn't it? It is. Um, to me, I think the more you create, the more um, attached or the less ta- attached you are to it. Explain so, that. I mean, so I'm an artist in music. I'm an artist in all these other areas. And so when I create something, I'm passionate about it, but I can detach from it and let it be its own entity and judge it in, the, in an appropriate way. But if I only ever create one thing in my life, I am going to protect it and worry about it and not want to harsh on it too badly because it's my only thing that I've created. And you know, and 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, that really was the possibility of most game designers because yeah, you could get one or two, but if you were going to do your own, you had one shot. Yeah. But things, but things over the last three years have really changed. And I think this is one of the things that's, that's caught people off guard. When my podcast started three years ago, so many of the game designers on the show we're caught up in that. This is my one chance. But now some of them have been back multiple times. Jamie Stegmeyer has been on the show multiple times. Now it's, oh, this is my first step. This isn't right. the last step. This is the first step. And now more and more people, I think, are finding the courage to kind of take that step that you're talking about of letting go. Yeah, and I'm hoping to leverage, um, you know, I don't have a big name, but I have enough of a name, hopefully, that people will recognize my designs, the ones that um, I've, I've published with other companies. And then also, um, it is, it is different. And to take, to remove that risk component with Kickstarter is a really critical step in me moving forward and really taking that plunge. So let's talk about taking that plunge. So you, uh, at the Unpub conference that, uh, you and I both attended in Silicon Valley, put on by Jeremy commander, you were showing off, um, what you call PACA games, PACO yeah. games. Yeah. And these games are unique. Describe them a little bit so that, uh, you, you'll do a better job than I will. Sure. So they really are the size of about a, a classic Wrigley's five pack of gum. They're just about that size. They come in a little tuck box and there are 30 cards that are one inch by three inches. Every game and has 30 cards? Every, every game has 30 cards and one sheet of rules front and back that's folded like an accordion. And so I stumbled upon this design because I've been getting a little bit bored with my bigger middleweight Euro designs. And I've been playing with card sizes. And I happened to just stumble upon that card size for the first game in the series and realized that there is a – it's the perfect card size to create many different games with many different mechanisms because – it, you can treat it like a card, you can treat it like a domino-type tile, and you can do other stuff with it and use it as more of a token because it's so small. It doesn't, it's not so big that you're like if you had a train on it or you know some right. picture, it would be so, insane. So now, But I do know that with that description, the people who yeah. are listening are going to say, well, that doesn't sound interesting because right. uh, you know, I hold up my index finger and I recall the box is about the length of my index finger, just a little yeah. longer, and about this – you know, it's a, like you said about it, like a pack of gum, and most people would hear that who are enamored with the Euro game with the wooden components and the upgraded uh, linen cards, and and they'd say, "Well, what, what's the fun of that? That doesn't sound fun." Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say? I know what I'm going to say, so the, you know, I'll let you say it, and then I'll say it. Well, 
I'd like to say, well, you haven't played them yet because, you know, I don't play bad games. And, and we there are games out there that are pocketable like Uno and some of that stuff. And gamers don't play that stuff because they're not great. They don't they don't provide interesting decisions. There's nothing there. Um, that's not the kind of game I set out to make. And that's not the kind of game these are. They actually some of them are quite difficult. And in fact, well, um, it's almost a problem that they are so difficult for what the consumer or the public perceives it to be. Right. Cause and it, so, it, it appears to be a, just a simple, almost children's game. Yes. And right. that, and they're that's not, a, that's a big hurdle to get over because they're, they aren't now there's a scale. There's, there's casual. I've rated all the games, a one, two or three, a casual is a one an intermediate is two and three is challenging. So I played, so, I played Taj. What was Taj? Right. Taj is a three. Yeah, it was awesome. It's yeah. a game that were four of us, four of us playing. Yep. Four of us playing. Um, two of us had never played before. It was Aldo Giazzi, who's been on this show before, a friend of mine. Neither one of us had played. It took a few seconds to explain the rules. Uh, we played. I won. I think that had a, a huge impact on the winning. But I could see as I was playing deep strategy. Uh, early game decisions, uh, end game results, setting up, planning. I, it was a great game, all with just those few cards and what we were playing. Enough that I was intrigued to look at the other ones. because So Taj was a rug trading, I don't know. It's, what, a, it's a voting mechanism primarily. Um, so I if you remember, it. yeah, you remember we were voting. And of course, um, most people, you say voting, well, you just vote for what you want and you don't vote for what you don't want or whatever. But it, but it's there's things happening on either side of the outcome. So there are times where you propose um, a trade or a swap of rugs and you vote against your own proposal because you've gauged the rest of the players that they are going to go against it. And then you'll get the desired result that you want. And so, right. so it de- it's not just a flat, oh, everybody's voting the way they want. Shh, this sucks. It's stupid. No. No, it's actually the – they're so it, it really works because it's compressed from both sides rather than one. You have one that's a boxing game. Yes, two-player boxing. It's simultaneous selection. It's kind of a rock, paper, scissors advanced version because there's more information to go off of. People are more motivated on one action versus another. So it plays very quickly. It's very popular with teens. So one, two, or three. That's a that's a one. That's a one. That's the entry level casual fun. Just casual. sit down and, and play that. Yep. And uh, you've got so this Kickstarter campaign that you've got isn't just one game. You have a pack of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a pack of a how pack many? of a pack of pack. A pack of pack. How many games yeah. are you releasing on this Kickstarter project? So there are four as the core Kickstarter. And then there are – I'm revealing four more as stretch goals. So there are eight visible if you go to the Kickstarter right now. And uh, to hit those stretch goals, if you hit the stretch goals, then you it's not like you're upgrading components. You actually will deliver another game. Yeah, in fact, for free. If, as long as you order at least the four-pack, you're going to get any stretch goal games for free. And so These are brand new games. And these are not – these. it's not that we chose the best four of the core four. These are actually fantastic games. We – we selected a well-rounded four, Got but, it. The one, but the ones coming are just as legit. So it's, it's exciting if they unlock. It is. And I, again, I was intrigued. You, top quality uh, components, well-designed, uh, very much enjoyed it. But this approach has some challenges, doesn't it? 
Uh, well, in in what way? Well, uh, you need to. You're making a game. It's great. Kickstarter people are going to go. Yeah, hey, that's great. I'll uh, I'll back that. I'll get those games. But after that, getting this to market has got to has got to prove difficult. Yeah, I think we have some challenges in the retail sector. Um, I think as a retailer, you don't want to go to your distributor and say, "I'll take three TKO and one Fly, etc." and then have them shipped in a huge box of other games, and then they're thrown in with the peanuts, and you can't find them, and you throw them out. So we have to figure out a way to make it friendly for retailers and put them in kind of a brick format, and so people will uh, retailers will buy maybe like ten at a time in kind of a, a point of purchase display. Okay, and so they can they can have those. Um, hopefully by the register or somewhere that's accessible, and it's, they'll be a little easier to display. How, so. uh, how are you pricing uh, on the Kickstarter campaign? How are you pricing this? Um, you can't just back one game, can you? You can. You can really? back one game. Yep. And uh, what's, the pr- what's the pledge level for that one that, game? $6. So $6, and then how does, it, then how does that scale? And 6 for every game you want. So, 24, so- $24 for the pack. Twenty four for for the four games, and right. then if we stretch, you get the other games too. So it could go up, you know, right now with your stretch goals up to eight, and so it'd still be twenty four for the eight. Absolutely, right? Uh, that's a pretty good incentive. Um, oh yeah, you've taken a lot of work to get to this point. This was not rushed into um, when no. I saw you. Um, was it a couple months ago now? I guess it, no. It was it was May, and oh, it we was. were we were looking at June, and I remember you saying. Um, I think it's too early, but and you didn't know enough about it to even say that, but you had a sense, and you were right. Uh, you were really right that June was not uh, the right time, and mostly, you know, to get preview copies out and really have a lot of this dialed in, you do need two or three lead time months, uh, two or three months uh, lead time, just with when you have product that you can get it to people and start responding in that way and really pushing it. How much product have you sent out to get to people? I have sent. Um, probably 35 packages and wow. each package has five, the first five games. So they have wow. four plus Taj. Taj is the first stretch goal. So that's a lot. And that's all homemade stuff. So Jen and I have been really working the factory here at, in uh, Turlock, California. And so, uh, and, ha- and I mean, are we talking, how, how are you manufacturing? Is it down like at Kinko's type thing? No, no, no. It's, it's here at the house. So we, and it's basically, I have an Epson printer, I have a laminator and a really good photo cutter. And, um, exact, well, it's actually the, the rotary. Oh, the rotary. And it's a, I mean, it's like probably a $500 unit. So it's really, I've had it for as long as I've been designing games. So it's, you know, it's a process, but, um, we've gotten a lot of them out. I bet. And and have you already received any type of uh, initial feedback? Oh yeah, yeah. We've gotten some reviews out there. There's people that are podcasting about it and stuff. So everybody's very excited about them because again, I think they're just surprised. Like they they buy in based on the form factor. They're like, man, this is this is really cool. And then they play them. They're like, wait, this is actually a game. This is right. actually something I want to play over and over, not just throw away. So. This is, uh, and again, I think that's the biggest challenge. Sure, and it's always, you know, you can always talk about the stake and the sizzle and the marketing and the, and the promotion and everything. That's the sizzle, but you've got to have some strong stake back there to, to back it up. And in your case, yeah. with the experience that I have, you, you do have that. What would be, a lot of the people who are listening right now are in the game board space, and they're, they're asking themselves, okay, I want to do that. Whatever he just said, I want to do that. Yeah. Uh, 15 years you've been doing this. Do you have any advice for these 
these people who are sitting at home doing kind of what you're doing, dreaming about this, but they have it. Maybe they're a little bit impatient and they're not willing to wait 15 years. You got any advice <laughs> to kind of help them shortcut that uh, experience? Huh. I I really don't. But you know, if you're going to make games, it's it's great. Just you got to get them in front of people. You really have to listen to that feedback, and um, you know, try to align that with what you see as the vision for the product. What kind of games do you like to design? I mean, you, um, you've talked about all over the board, but is there a certain type of game you like to design? Yeah, I mean, typically I do middleweight euros. That's the, that's the normal kind of stuff I do, and I like elegant design. I like a simple rule set so that I can get you playing fairly quickly, but then once you start playing, I want the game to open up vastly. So, and so I'm not into text-heavy games or games that are going to take an hour to explain because I believe that you can make difficult decisions in 30 cards, for example, my right. pack of game. I mean, I, and I really do feel that there are difficult decisions to make in that small of a game. So give me some examples as you're talking about uh, this, these types of games and these types of uh, decision-making. What games out there do you feel that really hit the elegant playability open up just as you're describing it which one would come sure I, I mean i ticket to ride i'm a big fan of raw is another game reiner knizia's uh, auction game right um that's an, an absolute favorite of mine and again these are fairly simple rule sets but lots of tricky decision and nuanced um compressed gameplay ticket to ride so. is one of those uh, sweaty palms yeah, you, I mean, in, it, you introduce it to somebody, and I have introduced it to many people. They they start and they're like, "Oh, this is kind of fun." They get to play with little trains and and colored cards, and then about three quarters of the way through, it suddenly dawns on them, "Holy crap!" Right? There's a yeah, absolutely. They're in they, trouble. They under, <laughs> They start to understand the balance and the risk reward on the on taking additional tickets and waiting too long to do the yes. the train pass. So no, that's a that's a great example of the kind of game that I want to design is just the elegant streamlined rules and deep play, but approachable for anybody. Sure. So the the project goes live August 4th. That's the plan. Absolutely. Uh, So people who are listening after that date, how can they go find it? Paco Games? They can go to Paco Game right now. PacoGame.com goes to the Kickstarter but when the Kickstarter is over, it'll revert back to my perplexed.com home home base, okay. the publishing site. So, so PacoGames.com is where they can go find it and pledge and back it. And I'm I'm thrilled to see uh, to see it out there because, like I said, yeah, I got to play and I'm a big fan. Uh, I Chris, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us and talk about your project. Thanks, Richard. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Chris Handy. He is a game designer for the last 15 years, many different games, but his Kickstarter project is Paco Games, tiny little games in the size of a pack of gum, and they are fun to play. Get a chance, go take a look, and sponsor the project. And don't forget to visit patreon.com slash richardbliss to go and pledge for the podcast to keep it going and show your support. Thanks for listening. Take care.